Gray hair is a crown of glory. That's what Proverbs says. And Queen Elizabeth, celebrating her 96th birthday, is still sporting the crown. She's the first British monarch to sit on the throne for 70 years. Happy birthday, Queen. They call it her Platinum Jubilee, 70 years on the throne, 96 years on the earth. Queen Elizabeth has been monarch of England as long as I've been alive. Maybe I should have a Platinum Jubilee too. My crown of glory is long gone, and Mattel didn't make me a commemorative doll, but they did commission a royal Barbie to celebrate the Queen. Who knows how much longer Elizabeth will rule, but her long reign reminds me of something. The promise given to David, your son will sit on the throne forever. Jesus, a son of David, has been sitting on the throne for thousands of years. We're waiting for the trumpet of his return, his last glorious jubilee. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And on this Friday, we're wrapping up a series called The Empty Tomb. Even though Jesus said it, I don't think it quite set in. He was going to die, but then he would rise again. Maybe some of his followers thought it was a metaphor, but the reality is that the Bible doesn't record one disciple encouraging the others to look for the risen Christ. So when he appeared to them at different times, you better believe they were frightened and shocked. Thomas' story stands out, doesn't it? We call him Doubting Thomas because even when others had seen their Lord, he wanted to see him with his own eyes. And today we're going to hear this story and think about the patience of Jesus, even with doubtful people like Thomas. And that includes you and me. Christianity didn't begin as a new religious experience. It began with the claim that something had happened, something which had changed the world, something that had happened to Jesus. And when we trace that claim, we find that it goes back to two things in particular. First, to the belief that the tomb really was empty. Second, to the belief that the disciples really had met Jesus alive again in a transformed body. How do we explain that? Lots of theories have been tried, most of them pretty thin and unconvincing. The one that fits the evidence like a glove, and that is the simplest of all, is that it's actually true that Jesus really was raised from the dead. That's Dr. N.T. Wright from his documentary called Resurrection. We'll hear more from him about the Apostle Thomas in a few minutes. Tom Wright's work on the resurrection is unparalleled. And when you watch him walk through the Holy Land and investigate the places of Christ's death and resurrection, I know it'll encourage you in your faith. And it's a great DVD to share with family and friends who don't believe to help them better understand that Jesus did indeed rise again from the dead. Call us after the program at 800-65-HAVEN. That's 800-65-HAVEN. Or visit our website. Listen to the full interview that I did with Dr. Wright on our Great Stories podcast. And then make your gift there at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. And now let's get started with Shane and Shane. Our Father everlasting, the all-creating One, God Almighty. 
Holy Spirit conceiving Christ the Son, Jesus our Savior. I believe in God our Father, I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is song that's based on the creed. This I believe. Shane and Shane opening this haven today, the empty tomb. I'm Charles Morris. 
After Jesus died and rose again, he appeared to a lot of people. The Apostle Paul tells us that he even appeared to over 500 at a single time. And when he did, not everyone had the same reaction. In Matthew 28, the risen Christ appeared to a group of his disciples just before giving them what we call the Great Commission. And Matthew tells us something interesting. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. It says eleven disciples because Judas had betrayed Jesus, and Scripture tells us he was riddled with guilt that he eventually took his own life. The disciples were already in turmoil. Judas had betrayed Jesus, and now their Lord was dead. But the eleven were told to go back to Galilee to meet Jesus. And so they went. And when they got there, Jesus was waiting for them. And did you hear what happened? They worshipped, but not all of them. Some still doubted. And I've always been struck by that. Here they were, confronted with irrefutable evidence that Jesus Christ was raised from the grave. Yet some simply couldn't believe their eyes. They still doubted. And Matthew doesn't go on to rebuke them for doubting, does he? And I find a lot of comfort in that. We live in a world that can very easily make you wonder if God is real, if Jesus is really who he said he is, if his love is truly sufficient to save us. And Christians, just like those 11, go to meet Jesus, whether that's in prayer or at church or in the Bible, and often we are led to worship. But sometimes those dark clouds of doubt creep in. We read it, but our hearts are still skeptical. And Jesus welcomes us anyway. Just like Jesus welcomed those disciples, the ones who fell on their face in worship and the ones who doubted, he welcomes us in. We need to remember this. Jesus is not bothered by our questions, and he isn't surprised by our doubts. He's patient with us, and he walks with us day by day. There's another story of doubt in the Bible, and it comes to us from the book of John. But before we read the story together, I want to go back to Dr. N.T. Wright and his reflections on doubting Thomas as he's come to be known. Since the discovery of the empty tomb, Jesus had appeared to several of his followers. But Thomas hadn't yet seen him, and he needed proof. But a week after the incident at Emmaus, the disciples gathered again in their upstairs room. The doors were shut. Jesus came and stood in the middle of them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he addressed Thomas. Bring your finger here, he said, and inspect my hands. Bring your hand here and put it into my side. Don't be faithless, just believe. My master, replied Thomas, and my God. This story is just like all the other Easter stories, only the details are different and they all come down to a physical experience. All the stories agree that Jesus was alive, not dead. They involve physical things like bread and fish and the scars of the crucifixion. And at the same time, there's something strange about Jesus. He can appear and disappear at will, for example. 
These experiences were unprecedented. They convinced Jesus' followers that he really was the Messiah after all. What's more, they forced them to rethink their traditional Jewish beliefs as to what resurrection itself was all about. Resurrection wasn't just something that would happen to everybody at the end of time. It had happened to Jesus himself already in advance. The question of how resurrection would happen and what precisely it would mean were reshaped and refocused. This radical rethinking of traditional Jewish belief could only have happened as a result of something that they had experienced, something that had really occurred, something they certainly had not been expecting. The early Christians saw this event as the beginning of God's new creation. That was why, very quickly, the Christian faith exploded into life right across the world. The Jewish belief in the one God and his plan for the world was transformed by belief in Jesus' resurrection into a way of life for all people. It's an astonishing thought that what we today know as Christianity, the saints and the sinners, the art and the preaching and the churches and the scholarship, it all derives from one man and what happened to him. And this way of life carries its own hope for the future, not just a life after death in the usual disembodied sense, but a real new bodily life. Jesus was crucified, he died, he was buried, it was real, it was horrible. He went to the place of the dead, however you want to describe it. But then after that, he was raised, his body was transformed. And that's what's promised to us as well. One day we too will die, and if we belong to Jesus, we will go to be with him. But our bodies will stay dead until the time when God renews the whole world and gives us new bodies like Jesus to live in it. That was N.T. Wright, a biblical scholar, sharing why the resurrection must have been so hard to accept for those early disciples. It wasn't just the impossibility of a dead person coming back to life that made it so difficult to accept. It was also their theological commitments. Traditional Jewish belief didn't have a dead Messiah, and it certainly didn't have a dead Messiah coming back to life. But here was Jesus. And it might have taken some time to come to grips with the reality of his resurrection and to embrace the power of the Spirit that brought Christ back to life. It certainly took some time for Thomas. We hear about Thomas in John 20. Here it is. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace, shalom, be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. And remember what he said to them? Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And then fast forward a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace, shalom, be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands? 
Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And that's what Jesus said to him, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. I think Thomas sounds a lot like one of us, doesn't he? We here in the West love our proof. Someone makes a claim, we like to see proof that it's true. Thomas simply couldn't wrap his mind around the fact that Jesus, the one who had died just days before, was now alive and appearing to people. Sometimes we give doubting Thomas a hard time. I don't. I think his response was quite human. And Jesus accommodated him, didn't he? And the next time Thomas was with the disciples, Jesus appeared again, and he went straight to Thomas. The scars were still on his hands and his feet and his side. And Thomas was finally able to see. And when he saw, he couldn't help but worship. My Lord and my God. And don't miss Jesus' blessing. Those who believe in Christ without seeing are also blessed. Thomas was given the privilege of seeing Jesus touching his scars, speaking to him face to face. But we are blessed too, because we've been united by Jesus, by faith. We fall on our faces too. We cry out to Jesus, my Lord and my God. Because the disciples went out with the gospel to the world, we have heard the resurrection truth. And those of us who believe have met this same Jesus, and we are blessed. When we encounter Christ and fall on our faces in worship, we are blessed. And even if we doubt or wonder, Christ meets us where we are and helps us see his grace and his love for us. Won't you join me in prayer right now? Lord, many of us don't put ourselves in the same place as Thomas, and yet we are filled with our doubts. Sometimes we even doubt our Savior. But Lord, I pray that the power of the cross and the power of the resurrection would extend to all of us today, that we would see the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ being fulfilled in us when we repent of our sins and fall down at the foot of the cross with full knowledge and full understanding that Christ did rise again from the grave Because without the resurrection, there would be no power in the cross. Lord, speak to us today. And maybe someone listening today has never been at the foot of the cross. May they do that today and find their salvation rich and full, not in anything they've done, but all because of Jesus, in whose name we pray right now. Amen.
Group Leland, Majesty, here on Haven Today. We heard from Dr. N.T. Wright on the program. This Christian scholar does an incredible job explaining Christ's resurrection in a documentary simply called Resurrection. I think you're going to enjoy watching this epic film that was shot on location in Israel, Greece, and England. But more stunning than its locations is the clear message. Christ did indeed rise from the grave. And as you watch, I know your faith will be uplifted. And you can share the DVD with loved ones who don't believe and pray the solid evidence that is presented will cause them to trust in the risen Lord. Call us right now. Make your gift to this listener-supported ministry. We'll send you the Resurrection DVD as our thanks for your gift. And our number is 800-65-HAVEN. 800-65-HAVEN. Or go to our website. Listen to the full-length interview I did with Dr. Wright about Christ's resurrection. It's stirring. I was so blessed to be a part of it. And our website is haventoday.org. haventoday.org. And don't forget, $50 feeds a family of five for a week. Would you pray about how many families you can support supporting refugees in and around Ukraine? Our friends at Mission Eurasia are on the ground handing out food and also the scriptures of new life in Christ. 100% of your gift to Ukraine goes to Ukraine for those in need. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks so much for joining me. Won't you come back again next time when again we get to share together the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Love the Lord, love your neighbor, turn from sin. Sounds pretty easy, but it's terribly hard. Sin remains with us, easily ensnaring our best intentions. But resisting sin is so important. Jesus said we might as well cut our hand off if it causes us to sin. Where can we find resisting strength? Can we look within ourselves? Should we look to others, friends, or family for strength? Answered yes? Well, you've missed the point. Jesus, no one else, has provided all we need. The book of Hebrews telling us, let us run, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Consider him so that you will not grow weary. We look to Christ. Christ gives us strength. Get closer to Jesus daily. Visit GetAnchor.com.